can be seated tonight. Amen. Are you saved? Say glory. glory. Amen. I got to share with the church yesterday. Uh, young, our Lighthouse young folks, y'all come on and get ready to sing tonight. I got to share with our folks at the church yesterday was 30 years that I've been saved. 30 years that I've been redeemed. 30 years that I've been bought back unto God. 30 years have I, have I been regive, forgiven. 30 years have I been under the blood. 30 years have all my sins been washed away. For 30 years, for three decades, I'm telling you tonight, I'm glad that God saves old sinners. Amen. I don't know who you are here tonight, but maybe you need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to know that God sent His only begotten Son for you. Amen. I said for you. He sent Him for me and I accepted that free gift of salvation 30 years ago. But tonight could be your night to say, yes, Father, I'll take your free gift of salvation. I praise His holy name tonight. You pray for the young folks. They've been working hard on some songs. Uh, Roscoe here, he don't have his little buddy. Uh, they normally get in a fight on the front. Uh, but um, I, I don't, uh, Roscoe, turn around. You see this one in this blue shirt? You can fight with him tonight, okay? Pick one of them. They both got blue. But you pray for the young folks as they sing tonight. Y'all sing good tonight.
this morning with blessings untold. A precious loving family and a house we call home. The promise of eternal life because of Calvary. The peace is settled in thy heart since the day he saved me. Never once has he left me. He's made a way when all I saw was impossibilities. My heart bows in worship. My lips sing his praise. We will choose to serve the Lord for the rest of all our days. Look what God. precious loving family and a house we call home the promise of eternal life because of Calvary the peace is settled in my heart since the day he saved me look what God has done I stand Some days you may lead me through green pastures. My heart drinks in deep the waters sweet. Some days you may lead me through the desert. Even then you're still the reason I can say. I am. 
measure So far beyond what's gained through earthly treasures Whatever comes my way Still my soul will say troubled pain and disappointment and when it seems that I have nothing left you will never leave me nor forsake me I will testify until my dying breath I am Far beyond which gained through earthly treasures. Whatever comes my way, still my soul will say, I am blessed. I am blessed. You alone are my reward for you. I want for nothing more. And because your goodness follows me all of my days, I am blessed beyond measure, so far beyond what's gained through earthly treasures. Whatever comes my way, still my soul will say, I am blessed, I am blessed. You alone are my reward for you, I want for nothing more, and because your goodness follows me, Whatever comes my way, still my soul will say, I am blessed, I am blessed. Psalm 23 said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. (laughs) Surely goodness and mercy. Job said, though he slay me, he said, yet I will trust him. Job said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. (laughs) The three Hebrew children said something like this. We know our God can deliver us. But they said, if not, we're still not going to bow. Habakkuk said, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vine. The labor of the olive shall fail and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stall. Habakkuk said, yet I will rejoice. He said, I wasn't rejoicing in the flock in the field. I wasn't rejoicing in the fruit on the vine. He said, I wasn't rejoicing in the wheat in the field. He said, I will joy in the God of my salvation. (laughs) Let come what may. 
will bless his name. The Lord gives, he takes away. He sends a son, he makes it rain. If I could, would I exchange the joy he's given to be free from the pain? Either way, I will bless his name. I will bless his name when everything around me falls apart. He's the only one who heals the broken pieces of my heart. Through every storm he stays the same, faithful good he doesn't change. So I will bless his name. Should I receive good from his hand, but not accept the things that I don't understand? He knows exactly what I What he has in store for me. So come what may. I will bless his name. I will bless his name when everything around me falls apart. He's the only one who heals the broken pieces of my heart through every storm he stays the same faithful good he doesn't change so I will bless his name should I receive good from his hand but not accept the things that I don't understand. He knows exactly what I need. He knows exactly what I need. And I can fathom what he has in store for me. So come Apart. 
He's the only one who heals the broken pieces of my heart. Through every storm, He stays the same. Faithful, good, He doesn't change. So I will bless His name. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Turns out you can have church without fog machines and lights and all that kind of stuff. What about Yeah. Air conditioning? Probably why we're worshiping tonight, amen. Got us out of our comfort zone, amen. Have you ever felt the warmth of the sun after another night was done and you open your eyes to a brand new sunrise? God's faithfulness was here again. Yes. New mercies, new compassion. When you've lost all hope, He's never left you alone. He's good like that. There's never a moment He doesn't know exactly where you're at. No matter the sorrow. So unworthy of all the blessings, so undeserving. You don't understand why God would be so kind. He's bottled every tear you shed, numbered every hair on your head. Hasn't he always proved he will take care of you? He's good like that there's never a moment he doesn't know exactly where you're at no matter the sorrow (laughs) he'll be here tomorrow that's a fact he's good like that he holds the world down in grace he knows you by name he's good like that there's never a moment he doesn't know exactly where you're at no matter the sorrow he'll be here tomorrow that's a fact
Everybody that loves the Lord, say amen. Amen. Let's get a few men to stand and pray. Just right over here. Dalton, you stand. and Old Deacon, would you stand? Brother Jim. Brother Lamant. Brother Gant. Let's get three of Brother Kurt and Brother Samuel. Y'all stand over here. Brother Rusty. Ashton, you stand, son. We ought to just thank him for a little while. I could sit on the end of that bench and watch the old war horse worship. That's what I could do for a couple of hours. <laughs> Yeah, Lord. I'm sorry for being sentimental. Heard a great man, Evangelist Jack Tripp, great preacher, been at it 40 plus years. He preached the other day on how we're going to finish our race. You know you ain't got to win this race, you just got to finish it. Not quitting is the victory. And he, and he preached for a while, Brother Reese, on the Remember the Witnesses. And I'm sorry, but I'm so sentimental. What this meeting has meant to my ministry and my life. And I got a little spot in the, by the flagpole in the left-hand corner where they, oh, Brother Dent, led a young evangelist and 12 old men acted like they'd never heard such preaching. They'd all heard better and done better. But they, they no. <laughs> and Brother Troutman always and I'm sorry to be sentimental but I can't help it Brother Troutman always moved the flowers so him and Brother Dent could dance in the corner they couldn't neither one of them hear anything anybody said but they shouted it out <laughs> You get one of our our shepherds, Moses and Elijah, Brother James Langston. There's so many of the old ones can't make it anymore, but look at all the new ones. And we moved from out the from in there to out here, and that's God. You'll never get anywhere with God if you don't learn to release the old and embrace the new. Isaac had to bury Sarah before he could marry Rebecca. And I ain't saying this to the church. Y'all have adjusted well, moved on, but I'm just having a moment. And uh, the glory manifested itself in them little walls.
Brother Dent, I don't know who he chewed out every year, but he sure chewed them out. Then he shouted it out. He was as mad as he was glad, and his mad was as anointed as his glad. He was always mad at the liberals. I I looked around, never found any, but he let them have it, boy. (laughs) Thought a time or two he may have been talking to me. I didn't know who it was. I'd get right. But I prayed out there on the rock altar a while ago, and behold, I shall do, I will do a new thing. It shall spring forth. And I prayed, spring, spring, Lord. Spring. Spring up, oh well. Spring up, oh well. Let it spring forth. Let it spring forth. Let it spring forth. The old and the new, He gives it to us. But one day He's given us something different than old and new. He's given us better. (laughs) That's what's coming. That's what Hebrews said it all was. He said it's better. Better. That millennial reign. I'm going to request Brother James and Sister Mary sing in the millennial reign. I'm going to get some of y'all. We'll go to their mansion. And I want to hear Brother James and Sister Mary sing in them glorified bodies. I don't know how all that's going to work over there, but it'll be better. Better. Amen. I worked over here in Columbus every summer. I'm sitting here thinking about that. Long, lonely, hard, hot. Paying my way through Bob Gray's Bible school, and I'd ride at 82 all the way down getting in Jacksonville. The little church out in the swamp called me to pastor and God, God opened up the windows and the doors and brought me into His world. And He wanted to take me then at age 29, 30, He wanted to take me to America and over the waters. And let me get that really right. He didn't want to take Dean. He wanted to take the gospel. We preachers got to be careful we don't make this about us. Because it's really not. God did not see a preacher and said, Oh my, he is so special. I got to give him a people. He ain't never done that. But he's seen his people. And he said, they're so, my children are so precious. I'm going to give them pastors and shepherds, evangelists and teachers to feed them and to lead them, to guard them. (laughs) We preachers got to remember that. We get egocentric and self-centered. 
God will have to do with us what He's done to 10,000 times, 10,000 before. Have to just put us to the side whether we know it or not. Some men been put to the side and they don't even know it. That's sad. I don't ever want to be there. So it ain't about us. But God wanted to take that glory that gospel. Buster Seaton used to bring it down here. Joe Arthur used to bring it down here. He's trying to remember another and he was telling me about it. He used to come down here and preach a lot. Started with a D. Brother Duh. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. And uh, age 29 and 30, God buried me up for about 18 months before He sent me out. And somebody said, and I'd never lived in North Georgia. Daddy left when I was two. He went to Idaho and then Missouri for so long. Then in Columbus. I'd never lived in Ringo until I was 30. And somebody said, you know, old preacher over there, got a camp meeting. He started in his backyard on the creek. And I headed over to Brother Langston's. <laughs> and only God knows how precious those days were to my soul. I was between Hebron and Jerusalem. <laughs> Seven and a half years in Hebron, and then David went 33 years in Jerusalem, and I was in between. I was buried Sarah and waiting on Rebecca, and I dwelt by a well. And there was an old man of God had a deep well. I ain't making up stuff because he's sitting here. I was with a man the other day and we was with one group and he bragged on me in his life. Months later we was in another group and he wouldn't mention me. I brag on Brother Langston in the same manner. I don't care where I'm at. We ain't making up stuff to get a rise out of the service. No, we're worshiping God. My friends are my friends and my cause is my cause and my stand is my stand. I don't care where I'm at. I need help right there. Don't check the wind. Don't check and see where I'm at. <laughs> when I tell you Brother Lakes is a special man of God in my life, that's what I mean. <laughs> and, and I'm glad to see my friend David and Tanya be able to rest tonight. God bring in a special family full of God. I enjoyed watching Brother Langston worship. I enjoyed watching you and Tanya. Both of your mouths were open. Your little spiritual mouths were open. Y'all were just feeding, drinking that in. <laughs> Brother Birch told me to come up and moderate any time I feel like I'm supposed to. And I want to thank God for the body of Christ. Amen. 
We could stop on every pew. What about God blessing Ryan Goins and his wife? Brother Langston, give them that great church up there in Dunlap, full of people. Full-time salary, parsonage, open doors. Because he's honored his father. Because he's honored his preacher. That's right. What about God blessing Ryan and his wife? And just pouring the buckets on them. (laughs) And the millennial reign, he'll give you anything that you ever thought you missed out on. I bless the Lord. What about that youth choir up here? Singing in the glory. Let's go ahead and start this meeting off right. On all you young people, even kids that ain't never been here, maybe your first time, and there might be youngins here don't even know anybody, I want you to do this too. I want all you young people to go out there and get around that rock altar. Y'all have your own prayer meeting. Samuel, you lead them in prayer. Brother Kurt, you go pray over them. Leah, Abby. Y'all, let's get this thing right. If a new thing's going to spring forth, Brother Langston, most of your friends are not able to be here. (laughs) But look over there, Brother Langston. Your labor's not in vain in the Lord. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a big portion of, that's your fruit, preacher. I'm your part of your fruit. This place is part of your fruit. <laughs> you were such a friend to John Dent as he built this place. <laughs> Brother David, all we got is each other. It's all we need. You're not going to separate Christianity from the church. You're not going to separate the Lord from the church. He's contemporary boy done away with the church and they're just trying to put on a show so Americans will be enticed to come. It ain't going to work. It ain't right. And I'm not judging their motives or their sincerity. They'll stand before God. But I've got to, I've got to stay with the church. I've got to stay with the church. Brother Reese. Big hearted of you to come every year and support. You've been a real friend to me and to a lot of the young preachers that I try to minister to. Come up in the pulpit and you pray for us. Brother Paul Taylor, come and stand with your preacher, Brother Langston. You and him pray together. You men that are standing, let's pray. Let's get these old men to get back up now. <laughs> Let's all pray for a while. Brother Burke, come stand with Brother Reese. How good that two pastors can act like sister churches. Brother Reese, you lead us in prayer and pray, men. Going hair to the sins and temptations of life. In darkness and danger, no longer I stray. I'm looking beyond earthly burdens and strife. I'll live in a glorified life.
Bibles and go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 5 and chapter 6. You better get it, preacher. Where is it at? Somebody find the preacher's Bible. He, he don't know where it is. If you find it, bring it to He's He's got a songbook. That's what most pastors are doing these days. Pastoring out of a songbook. Isaiah chapter 5. You want to open up a business meeting now that the pastor stepped out? Several things I've been wanting to get on my heart and get off my heart. Isaiah chapter 5. Thank you, sis. Appreciate that. Isaiah chapter 5. All of you evangelists and singers who will be in tent meetings and Bible camps all summer, we don't need to sign up for any detox program. The rest of y'all are sitting there because you don't know what we're talking about, but we will sweat a hundred gallons this summer. It's my detox program. 
but I'll be stocking my cholesterol back up with barbecue and fried chicken. I feel my cholesterol getting low sometimes. I try to get her right back up. Saved by grace and kept by grease. That's the Baptist. <clears throat> We're going to slide into heaven easier than all the other. Isaiah chapter 5. Pastor, you still don't have your Bible? <laughs> your, your wife, thank God your wife has a Bible, Pastor. Isaiah chapter 5. Hey, y'all, I've started carrying a pocket watch with big hands. That's to encourage certain people that get discouraged. I don't know if that's the right time. I've been in two. I've been in two time zones, and then I got over in Kansas, and they and it was the weekend that the clock went back, and I had to go back twice plus one. And I never have said I have not yet figured out. I was in Alabama yesterday. I don't know. No, that's all right, brother David. <laughs> I was waiting on Brother David to holler at me about something. <clears throat> Isaiah 5 and the 13th verse. If the Lord will help me for a little while, to be honest with you, I have this passage on my heart. And and chapter 6, uh, <clears throat> I am open from night to night and time to time to just letting the Lord burden me with the Scripture. I don't have a prepared outline out of this, and I never have. Uh, and and I kind of like some of the style of the old black preachers. When I pastored down near Jacksonville, I uh, fellowship, was able to fellowship with a lot of of some black churches and black preachers down there. And, and uh, oh, R.J. Washington. He was a friend of Dr. Bob Gray. He had one of the biggest churches in Jacksonville. And I always told him he looked like a black Abraham Lincoln. He looked just like Abraham Lincoln in every way. But uh, And he had a burden for souls. But I, I loved hearing those men just preach the, the Scriptures. I loved that. It fed me. It blessed me. And uh, I slipped in on R.J. Washington one night. Me and uh, <clears throat> Brother Tory Dismute and uh, some of the Knox brothers. I had a half a dozen of my preacher boys with me, and uh, uh, and I think some of the young ladies. And we had a ten or twelve of us, and we were going to the fair in downtown Jacksonville. Just some of us from the church going to go to the big state fair, and it was the opening season for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And believe it or not, Dr. Jerry Vines and Homer Lindsay, some of the old-timey Southern Baptists, uh, and them was some good ones. They're some from the old school. They were boycotting the NFL. The independent Baptists were bringing the players in to speak in their pulpits, and the Southern Baptists were boycotting because of gambling and drinking and the Lord's Day. 
I need a little help right there. And uh, First Baptist downtown. And so R.J. Washington got in on it. And because, uh, well, he was able to set up a tent in the middle of the state fair and had all of his speakers on the outside. And he just had certain privileges downtown, okay? And uh, he'd done that. And I didn't know it. And here me and Brother Dismuke and some others come in there. And uh, I said, fellas, that's R.J. Washington. He had a thousand members in his church at that point. We slid in there. I hadn't shaved. I had on a baseball cap, old blue jeans. Going to the fair, you know. We slid in there, and uh, that place was full. He seen me, and I was in Laudy, Florida. He said, my brother from Laudy, my brother from Laudy. I said, oh, Lord. <laughs> I've had a lifelong dream of preaching to 2,000 black people because they get with you. <laughs> White people sit there, and if they're excited... You'll, 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 afterwards, they'll be like, thank you. <laughs> okay, okay. But dear time. And here's on television and half the city council and I'm shaved and when I took my hat off, I had hat hair. <laughs> it was pointing to all four different directions. And I said, well, Lord, this is my moment and you have blessed me and humbled me. He said, come on down, come on down, like the price is right. Them old grannies was out in the aisle with them big hats fluffing me up. And Beacon started in on the tambourines and my organ. I said, Lord, mercy. I almost quit white people church altogether that night. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> you got your Bible? Okay, I can quit telling stories. Brother Jamie got his Bible. And the way them old black men preach, just through the Word of God, and it fed my soul. And I'm not, it blesses me to do that from time to time. And that's kind of what the Lord's just put a burden on me. I've never prepared an outline in these things. Isaiah 5, 13 and 14, I think there are five things that in this passage is the burden God gave me when he put me in evangelism, when he put me in the highways and hedges. Uh, Let me say something to all the young preachers in the building. We have so many tonight, young preachers. We got missionaries and assistant pastors and Christian school principals and, and new evangelists and we got new preachers and we got, got first time pastors. There's so many young preachers in here. And, uh, Brother Langston, you, you, you back me up if you think I'm right about this. Boys, don't box yourself in by telling people what you are and what you're going to do. If God's called you to preach, you're liable to be a missionary, a pastor, an evangelist, and a Chick-fil-A manager, which is the ministry that uh, is one of the four offices of the church there. But, uh, amen. If you're not going to Bible college, you at least got to work at Chick-fil-A and, and uh, Christian ministry. But... Uh, 
don't feel like you got to tell people what you're going to do. Because you don't know what you're going to do. You're going to do all of it before you're done if you're right with God. You'll go overseas and preach. You'll run meetings. You'll, you'll pastor churches. You'll, you'll do just one of those or you'll do all of those at different times. You may do all of them at one time. Don't let nobody box you in making up rules that ain't in the Bible. They called you to preach and you stay clean and stay close. Am I right, Brother Langston? You stay clean and stay close and God will use you for His ministry. And then you may do none of it. God had been known to put a man on the backside of the desert for 40 years. God had been known to give a man a ministry like Isaiah. At the end of chapter 6, I'm going to send you people that will not hear you. And I want you to preach, and I'm not going to allow them to understand. But you're going to do what I've asked you to do. That ain't in the contemporary church building America Reaching Handbook 101. Their time. Boys, the, the ends, the, the means are not justified by the ends. Let me tell you something. You don't do anything to do this thing. You do God's thing God's way. You do it God's way. He didn't call you to be successful. He called you to be faithful. Called you to be faithful. And uh, the Lord will do it how He wants to. My burden is this. The Lord, uh, this passage, God burdened my heart. When He took me from following my flock, He took me like David, that little flock that He kept for His father. And then he run him down there by battle and let him kill a giant. And he recruited him into the national cause. If you boys can't be faithful to keep a little flock for the Father, don't think he'll ever need you to kill a giant in front of everybody. If you ain't killed a lion and a bear on a day nobody was looking. And you're so happy it happened, not because anybody saw you or sang your praises, but you were happy because you saved some lambs that day. I heard old Dr. Ron Gare say the Lord let him pastor 11 years down there outside of Jacksonville in Baldwin, Florida. You know, he followed Ed Ballou with the great Rock of Ages prison ministry. I heard Ron Gare say God left him in that little flock until he knew what it was to love the Lord's people. Until he knew how precious the Lord's people were. And then God could trust him to go. Amen. Can I get a witness right there? And uh, thank God for it. Amen. This was a scripture that God put in my heart. The burden and direction. Now the Lord had gave me other scriptures. One that gave me such clear direction to resign my church and leave it was a gradual thing. I didn't have a dream, a vision, or a lightning bolt, or a sudden moment. But just gradually over months and months with scriptures and confirmations, God made His will clear. And listen, sometimes God will speak to you in a nanosecond. And you'll know what you're supposed to do. 
But oftentimes it may be waiting on the Lord and getting confirmations and and scriptures and letting God lead you. Amen. And he gave me that scripture over there in Samuel 6, I think, or 5, and it, 6. And it said, for seven years and six months served he in Hebron. And then the Lord took him to Jerusalem. Oh, mine, I was there seven and a half years. Then, the end of Luke 4, they besought him to stay. My people wanted me to stay. We we had, a, I, I think often, Brother Langston, about the ministry you had in Tampa and, and, and the ministry I had in Florida. We saw people get saved, hand over fist, multiple, it never stopped. But you know what? It was, it was a, seemed to be a great place to have church and an awful place to raise children. Every preacher I knew lost his kids nearly in Florida. All around me. And it was a terrible place. I think there were so many demons and so many sinners. And, and, and if a man was a powerful, if, let me rephrase it. If a man had the power of God in a gospel ministry, he'd see sinners saved. But the place is permeated with devils. People go to Florida to get naked and skip church. And if you go to Florida to get naked and skip church, you know you act no different than a heathen. I need a little help right there. The world's largest crystal balls in the middle of that state. It's a medium for hell. You ought to see now, by now, what Disney's all about. Can I get a little witness right there? Something wrong with Florida, something wrong with California. They're the only two states. For many years, it's not true now because California finally is starting to look. But for most of the history of our nation, those two states gained in population every year. And you go to both states for fleshly pleasure. All of that naked filth that coming out in our society, the flesh industry, all being pumped out of Silicon Valley and the computer world and Brother Hollywood and the naked industry. All coming out of California. People go to them two states to live in sin. Now, I love the old Florida farmers. I got to pastor some of them. But, oh, my, they besought me to abide still. But the end of Luke 4, he said... uh, He said, I'm called to go to other cities, to other cities also. Henceforth, thenceforth must I go. And it said, and he departed and preached in the synagogues of Galilee. What about that, men? You preachers don't ever get discouraged that you've not reached your city. According to God, you did. He said, I've got to preach in those cities. And the next verse said, and he preached in the synagogues. Are y'all connecting the dot? Obviously the Lord thinks if you went there and had church in that city, that you reached that city. You're just looking at me. You're just looking at me. Let me tell you something, dear neighbor. I went out and preached on the state line of Utah and Colorado some years ago. They had a little missionary family up there putting up a tent. 
and the little pastor and his family to work in the chairs. And between his family and that missionary family, we had more people there than anybody that showed up. But we went six straight days. The TV-12 came out in the big city. TV-12 came out and walked through our service, got permission, and put the big thing up in our face while we were singing. And, and uh, oh, that thing made it to the news that night, 30-second clip. God gave me the wisdom to tell that pastor that you've done the Lord's work, you've done the Lord's will. This city may not have been in your tent, but your tent was in their city. And one day yonder when God makes the dead, small and great, stand before Him at a great white throne judgment, the Lord will stand up a John Dent and a James Baker, a James Langston and a Hubert Troutman, and he'll stand them up and he'll march their town in front of them. I sent you a man. I sent you a meeting. I sent you the gospel. And you would not, but you would not. How often I would have gathered you, but you would would not. You say, I don't know if it makes a difference. Let me tell you something. Jesus came to Jerusalem. Did Jerusalem get saved? But did He come to Jerusalem? Jerusalem didn't get in Jesus, but did Jesus get in Jerusalem? And did it make a difference? Boy, howdy did it make a difference. And you'll never know till the other side of eternity. What the fact you stood where he stationed you and held the bloody cross up and waved that thing. You'll never know what that means in the eternal world. Oh my. Here's a five-fold burden God gave me. Isaiah 5 verse 13. Therefore, my people are gone into captivity. Because they have no knowledge. And their honorable men are famished. And their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore hell hath enlarged herself. There it is. Isaiah 5 gave me the burden how to preach. Isaiah 5 put me in the ministry of evangelism. As I went in and out of the churches. And Isaiah 6 kept me in. Isaiah 5, he saw the people. Isaiah 6, he saw the king. Let's run by these five real fast. Verse 13, Therefore my people are gone into captivity. Thank God I'm glad I can come. And the first thing Jesus quoted when He stood up in the temple to start His ministry, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to proclaim liberty to the captives, to preach the opening of prison to them that are bound. I'm glad He came to set us free. I'm glad He came to set us free. I'm glad He came to set us free. Didn't, didn't them three Hebrew boys get free? The only thing the fire burned was the ropes that bound them. Didn't them children of Israel get free, brother, when he loosed them out of Egypt after 400 years of groaning under their taskmasters? Thank God he set them free. Didn't that maniac of Gadara often bound with chains and fetters and often they'd come. But thank God that day there was a man set him free. 
captivity. If there's ever been an hour that the people are prisoners to sin. Y'all look at here for just a minute. Our generation. Isn't it very sad and tragic how easy you can get hooked on pain pills? I guarantee you, I hope I don't have any major surgeries. But I'm telling you, I know I'd have a problem with it. Okay? Let's not beat up on people. Heroin is so strong. Old Barry Spears up in South Carolina come out of a life with the bikers and the gangsters, uh, drugs. And he told me one of those Oxycontin or Oxycodone. He said one of them is 5% heroin and the other one is 95% heroin. And he said, Brother Dean, it, it grabs your actual constitution of your actual blood, nerves, muscles, nerve tissue. It grabs your body. It's more powerful than anything on this earth. He said it'll put a grip on you. People raised around the bottle. Pick up a bottle. People raised around beating and abusing women and children. And that anger and that rage is poured into you. And one day you'll hate what you was raised in. And one day what you're hating, you'll see you're a hitting. And you'll be a, and there'll be so many devils in your home. Brother Langston, you know, both of my grandfathers, my preaching grandpa on mama's side, John Bell, you've known him his whole life, you and him. Thank God he had a rock altar. My other grandpa, my daddy's dead. He didn't have a Bible, he had a bottle. Him and Berman Cape Sr. walked down Rossville Boulevard drunk together, fighting, cussing. God saved Berman Cape, made him a preacher. My granddad died, broken homes. Had another family in Chattanooga and they didn't know it. My dad and my two girls are here. And I'm sorry. They have to hear this. But it's, it's part of our worship, girls. <laughs> My daddy can't talk about it to this day, Brother Langston. He's 77 and he just gets a weird look on his face and he can't, he ain't never talked about his dad. He's always pastored somewhere else because the memories. I've had to hear the stories from other people. I'm going to tell you something. The devil's a liar. He's a home wrecker. He'll leave you devastated on the rocks of sin. I've had to hear the stories from, I don't know, my dad's little brother Johnny. My Uncle Johnny just had grace for it. David, I don't understand. My Uncle Johnny could talk about it all day and just cry and be glad that we all got saved out of it. Dad can't. Something about that eldest son, it hurt him so deep. The things that went on. Dad was 16 and beat him out into the highway. He thought his dad was going to kill his mom. 
beating her so bad. And Dad was 16 and beat him. And they fought out into the hard road up there in Walker County. And Dad left him unconscious laying in the road. Hoping he'd get run over. Hated him. Titus said, but at that time, you were full of hate and hating one another. And without God, without hope. <laughs> I'm talking about captivity. Strongholds. You young men in here, half the young men. And my heart's with you, boys. All of this flesh and lust has been pumped right now into your very hands and them smartphones you hold can make you act so dumb and stupid. There's things on there that'll ruin your mind and ruin your marriage. It'll take you into another level where you'll never recover from. Let me tell everybody in the building something. Brother Langston, I'm going to say something here. I don't, I don't like using this language. But God's bigger than chemical addictions. God bigger than drug addictions. God bigger than drinking addiction. God bigger than lust and sex addictions. God bigger than lust. And He's bigger than the fires of nature. Thank God the fires of the Holy Ghost are stronger than the fires coming out of hell. God can save your marriage. God can save your mind. God can save your morals. I've no doubt most of you young men and even fellas in your 30s and below, because of how accessible and it'll jump in and jump on, you've seen things and probably already partook in some things. But I got news for you men. If you'll run to God and run to an altar, run to your pastor, go ahead and tell your pastor, tell your pastor what you're struggling with. Amen. Get that stuff out of the closet and bring it to the church. Tell your preacher. Tell your dad. Tell your mom. Tell your mom you're struggling with it. Make your mom partners with you on your phone. Brother David, you and Brother James, some of my dearest friends, I got other friends like you that didn't have sons. Don't have sons. And you gotta talk to your daughters about how a man, you gotta talk to you, cause when you don't have sons, you live in a woman's world and it's terrible. I hear that. It's that Brother Taylor, Brother Paul, you live in a woman's world. Preston went off to Bible college and left me with three women. All I do now is obey and submit. I obey and submit. Brother Langston, you didn't ever tell me about all that. <laughs> all you men without sons, please remember some things. Talk to your daughters about how they dress. It ain't about what, you know, where the lines are. It's about where the boys are. You wouldn't want to be responsible for a young man struggling with lust. He needs to know what the church mothers are and what the church sisters are. I'm just being blunt right here. Let me tell you something. You got a great young preacher like Dalton Keith. You got a great young man like Brother Kurt fixing to marry Sister Leah. And would, could y'all just do us a favor? There's little Noah Adams sitting down here. 
Could y'all do us a favor? They have to see all this in the world. Could you please let the young men come to church and not have to stare at the ceiling when you walk by? And I'm open to visitors. Let the visitors come. Let the sinners come. God will help all of us. But please let the church body be a place where the young men can see godly women and see the Lord without having to see everything else. We ain't going to call women ugly names. I've always hated that old smart aleck preaching. I've hated that smart aleck preaching. Jesus never was a jerk. He was a gentleman. He'd raise his voice. And he'd call you names. I don't think he ever did it to the women. Y'all help me study that. I've never thought about that. He called Herod a fox. He called the Pharisees a bunch of vipers. I'm trying to... Brother Watson, you think of any? Brother Reese, can you think of Jesus? I've never thought about that. I don't think he's on record in the Gospels while he was here of calling women ugly names. He would with men. He'd deal with a man. But what he'd done to Mary Magdalene and some of them harlots was get down in the dirt with them and write stuff in the sand. He knew that woman had fallen. He was there to pick her up. Not to call her ugly names. Hey! My people are going into captivity. I had the most sweet thing yesterday. I was in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, preaching for Brother Ken Myers. And I seen a woman. And uh, you could tell nobody had trained her much being in church. But I promise she had the sweetest, most broken spirit. And we all came down and prayed, and she looked like she's about 75. And she prayed right there where you are, Brother December the 10th. She sat right, she couldn't get down, her body wouldn't let her get down. But she sat on that front, and Brother David, she went sideways and opened her mouth and cried. I thought that's the sweetest prayer I've ever, I was just, I dove in the middle of it. She was just God teared. I said, my Lord. And after church, she came up to me. I was sitting at the homecoming eating. And she came over me. And she said, I was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. She said, I've been deep in the neighborhood down there. And she said, my whole life, I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict and other things in Baltimore. She said, I got saved a year and a half ago. (laughs) And she looked at me with that, and that face went that thing again. (laughs) 
She said, it's so wonderful. She said, Preacher Dean. She said, that's the first time I met She said, I don't have to drink anymore. She said, I haven't had any drugs in a year and a half. And the pastor's Ken Myers. She said, Preacher Myers, he came and found me. What she said? She said, he saved me. I knew what she meant. <laughs> she said, Jesus. That's what she said. She said, God lives in me. And she just looked at me like I was supposed to think that was the most wonderful thing. She said, God lives in me. She said, and I'm not a drinker anymore. She said, I live in Alabama with my son and preacher Myers. He found me. Well, I want to stop and thank God. He found me. My daddy come out of the army and quickly becoming the same thing that his daddy was. But in 1966, God swept through a big harvest across America. You go back and see how many people got saved in the late 60s and what God did in the 70s. You check up on that. There was a harvest. I think it was America's final harvest with that kind of power on it. And uh, God saved my daddy. And I don't walk down, I don't stagger down Rossville Boulevard drunk. I drive down Rossville Boulevard and I go to Victory Baptist and Liberty Baptist. Used to go to Battlefield Baptist and and uh, Old Fort Baptist. And there's ten churches I preach on on that little stretch. And every time I do, <laughs> thank God we're one generation removed. My people are gone into captivity. I'm going to tell you something. It's the end of an age. And most people are in bondage, but you ain't got to be. There's enough power in the Spirit of God and in the Holy Scriptures. There's a sword that will kill the enemy. Captivity. My people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Not only God give me a burden because of the chains that God's people are in, but because they have no knowledge. Got news for you. You got you a Bible and you ought to have you a pastor. Y'all ought to have more prayer meetings than you have business meetings. And if the Bible ain't the main thing around your church, you're in a bad church. If you'll go after the light, He'll reveal to you, He'll give you more light. You young couples build your house on the Word of God. They have no knowledge. And their honorable men are famished. Their honorable men are famished. What about that? Boy, God gave me that burden. Brother Josh Adams, his family, been in full-time evangelism about seven years. He is a Missionary before that for nearly a decade. 
I'm glad y'all getting to meet the Josh Adams family this week. Sister Amber's the pastor's daughter. Her daddy was a great pastor where they come from. Brother Josh's father is a great godly deacon. They were raised in this. And now God, give Brother Josh. And we're able to fellowship in the ministry often. And we talk to each other. And one thing you'll understand about a real evangelist that's give his life. And he don't have a church. He has churches. And half of what an evangelist does is sit down with the pastor and let him cry and let him, let him confide. He can't tell the deacons his problems. They may quit deaconing on him here in about four years. He can't have a best friend in the church. That guy might quit being a best friend and tear up the church. I believe you ought to be able to have close friends. Can I say something to the preachers? You ain't got to move up in an ivy tower. The body of Christ is for you too. Go ahead and have friends in the church and in the ministry. Well, what if they turn on you? Okay, then they turn on you. What if they hurt me? Then you'll hurt. Why are you going to quit living? It's because of the possibility of what people might do to you. Jesus would never went to Calvary if that was the case. Well, Lord, I'll go down there and get in the ministry, but what if they hurt me? I'll be good to Peter and Judas, but what if they, what if one of them curses me and the other one betrays me? Say something to the men of God. Say something to all the preacher's kids. And say something to all the preacher's wives. Go ahead and open your arms and let people love you. Let the church be the church in your life too. Well, what if they get to know us and they know we're not perfect? They already know that. (laughs) They already know that. I tried to hide some of my faults from my friend David for a few years, but he was a PK. He figured them out quick. And he's nosy. He got right on in there. Oh, you better have friends. You better let your brothers be your brothers. You know, when Joseph had his brothers the second time around, Daddy had died. He was now on the throne. His brothers were bowing before him. You know, he didn't hang on to any bitterness. He didn't hang on to any hard grudges. He didn't say, y'all hurt me before. I ain't forgot it. And he could have really punished them. Not only did he not punish them, But he opened his arms, he opened his robe, he opened his kingdom, he opened his heart. He embraced them rascals. Their honorable men are famished because there's 10,000 wounds that you receive in the ministry. Who's the Christian scientist? Brother Reese, Henry... Henry Morris, the scientist preacher, creation scientist. And uh, 
Henry Morris said, do you know what thorns and thistles are? Thorns and thistles were flowers and leaves before the curse. And the leaves folded up and got hard and became thorns. And thistles were flowers that dried up and got petrified hard. And what used to be green leaf and beautiful blossoms, thorns and thistles. Brother, I know people and you know people. It's like hugging a porcupine. It's like trying to get close to a skunk. Brother, they're going to defense. They're going to spray stink on you. They're going to put sharp quills in you. Oh, dear neighbor. I got news for you. You better learn to love the unlovable, love the unlovely. And you better learn to let people love you. And you better learn to trust people even if they betray you. You better learn to forgive them even when they ain't asking for it. One of the biggest things we're missing in our churches. Some fellas are trying to make everybody dress perfect. And other guys are trying to make everybody, the church, a rock and roll band, you know. Good time, hippie, come on. Brother, listen, neither one of them's the answer. The power of God will be in your church when the love of God is in your church. You ain't going to have the love of God until you start loving each other with the love of Christ. And that ain't just loving people nice to you. That's loving people because they're in your journey. They're in your path. God, let them be the one laying in the ditch the day you came by. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If you have love one toward another. And you know, he narrowed it on down in Galatians said, All the law is fulfilled in this one word. Wow. That you love your neighbor. That's what Galatians got it narrowed on down. Jesus told the lawyer the two greatest command. All the Old Testament can be love God with all you got and love your neighbor like yourself. But Paul got to talking to the church in that law book. Galatians where he dealt with the law. And he said all the law. This one thing. That you love your neighbor like yourself. You go read the laws. It's about how you lived in society. Help me now. Brother, we'll have the power of God break out in our churches when we start acting scriptural one toward another. If you men will love your wife like Christ loved the church. If you women will submit unto Him as, as unto the Lord. Both of you treat your spouse the way you're supposed to be acting toward the Lord. Or the way the Lord would act. We'll have the love of God again. The honorable men are famished. Preachers, the good ones, they're kicked around. They're attacked and ridiculed by the world and then scoffed and scorned inside the church. A bunch of us in here, we know preachers' kids that went bitter and went away. We know them. We'll say something to everybody that ever said the ministry was too rough and said they're not going to live for God. Let me tell you something else that's rough. The ministry's pretty rough, so is life. 
Serving God ain't about how good life is to you, how good ministry is to you, how good people is to you. Serving God is because of how good God is to you. Help me right there. We don't do this because we've been treated right or wrong in the church. We don't live for God because we've been treated right or wrong in the ministry. We live for God because He's treated us good. I'm doing this for God, not for Baptist. I'm doing this for Jesus, not for y'all. But all of that involves y'all. Their honorable men are famished. Let's get the fourth one in here. And their multitude dried up with thirst. I'm not going to get to chapter 6 tonight. Their multitude had dried up with thirst. I wish I could get all the pastors in America in one room and rip their heads off and scream at them. Why in the world don't y'all let your people have church? They're dying for thirst. You're worried about two grumpy grannies looking at their 12 o'clock wrist. You're worried about one old bossy, mossy back deacon that's been bullying everybody for 50 years. Y'all ain't helping me. You're worried about America. Well, we're tired. Well, we got school in tomorrow. Well, they got a ball game. Hogwash and buzzard puke on your American excuses. Hell's burning right below the crust mantle. Heaven's glowing right above that blue veil. Honey, your little old silly American excuses ain't going to hold no water at the judgment. You lying hypocrite. You ain't tired when it's time to go fishing. You ain't worried about staying up late when it's travel ball. Help me now. There's a lot of things it's okay with. Just don't you gripe about church and then dedicate yourself to that junk. You lying outfit. America kill herself having fun. Somehow you can go to Walmart and go to Applebee's, go to the grocery store and go to the lake and go to Grandma's. But can't nobody go to church anymore. Outfit. Let me tell you something to the men of God. If you pastor your church in fear, not in faith, would you just please resign? Let's pray for your church. They need a real pastor. They need a man of God. Who's going to break the door off the hinges when he walks in. He's so excited to be there. You need a man of God. Do what I used to do and promise him. I promise you this will not be a short service. I give you my word. That's what I tell him. I give you my word. I give you my word. We're not going to be some dead little silly worldly southern Baptist. Dry, empty, independent Baptist. I'd be about ashamed to be either one. Southern or independent. Southerns got rid of their Bible and brought Egypt in. Independents got rid of the Holy Ghost and brought a rule book in. I shouted Brother Langston on one particular meeting. <laughs> there was 400 in there. An old boy had preached on a necktie. 
Oh, Lord, he said, necktie this, necktie that. Mowed the lawn in his necktie. Said it was Christian testimony. <laughs> Brother Langston got up, they got him up behind him. Brother Langston, he took his off. <laughs> Throwed it down, collars. He said, Paul or Peter had a silly French silk handkerchief wrapped around their neck and you ain't got to either. Now, turn in your Bible. I was like, oh yes. I'm here with Brother Langston if anybody's wondering. <laughs> Boy, I'm telling you, the Southern Baptist brought the world in. Independent Baptist brought some old bosses in. I've decided if I'm going to be any kind of Baptist, I'm going to be a John Baptist. He stood in the Jordan. He held the lamb and he saw the dove. Amen. That's pretty good Baptist. right? Old John Baptist. Let God put me in the death waters. Hold the lamb in my arms. Receive the dove on our life. And walk out into a ministry that goes downhill from there. Don't you be worrying about American success. You ever get with God, things are liable to go downhill. But in another world, they're going uphill. Oh, my. Their multitudes are dried up with thirst. I went to, every Sunday, I went to the steakhouse. Went to Sonny's barbecue, all you could eat chicken, or went to the Western Sizzler. I got in there, I never met the Methodist, the Southern Baptist, or the Independent Baptist. Methodists were all down there at 1201. Southern Baptists were down there at 10 after 12. The Independents showed up at 1230. They had to do a bus route and church discipline two people. And that, I always got there about two o'clock. And the only fellas I knew was the black preachers in town. <laughs> they all got there about the same time. Somebody said, well, how'd them long services work out for you? Brother, they was running that many promising people a 50-minute service. We got them two-and-a-half-hour services, and we ran that many people. The multitude dried up with thirst. But the only people I ever see get scared and nervous when God moves is the pastor's. They start explaining to everybody. Now this is okay. This, now this is God. This is what the, uh, now, now we'll have you out of here in a minute. I'd like to line up a hundred pastors, hit them all with a baseball bat. Now I know some of you are tired. Guess what? Everybody that works hard is tired, and church makes you feel better. It always does. God breathes in that spirit, and that old man says, "I'm still tired, but I feel good." And, and God gives you more rest and three hours of sleep. The church people this week are going to get more rest with less sleep. <laughs> God's people are hungry for God. I got a bunch of scaredy cat pastors all over America. Ten after twelve and they go to apologize. Why do you think Jesus don't attend your church? God's people are dying for a dose of God. 
And I'm going to tell you something. The rebels and the reprobates, they're not God's people. If you'd act like something and let the Lord have His church, you'd see your church. Your church would, you'd see it. And them goats would quit being so comfortable there. They'd either get saved or get gone. I dare you to have Holy Ghost Church. I'm challenging some of my friends. I dare you to take six months and make it a house of prayer. Ain't none of them yet got the courage to break away from the program. I've just told them. It takes six months. Come on in. No formalities. Let's get on our face. Let's pray for six months. If somebody feels like singing, I reckon they're going to. It'd probably be the sweetest you ever heard. It's just out of a corner. Somebody starts singing a hymn. If the man of God gets the word burning on him, somebody, I imagine he's going to preach. I've been a daring my best friends to just have a house of prayer for six months. If you'd quit having church, you'd probably start having church like you never had church. And worrying about what they think is never going to fly. And they can't never be identified. You can chase that thing all down all day long. About the third level of trying to get to they, they'll say, well, now they are the ones. Okay, let's go. Where's they? Well, it wasn't, you know, it was them. You'll play a merry-go-round. That last one said, hell hath enlarged herself. This is our burden. Therefore, hell hath enlarged herself. I'll be done now in five minutes. I want us to pray for sinners. Hell hath enlarged herself. It's right there. It's in the heart of the earth. Heaven's right there. I reject dimensions. I believe in directions. I've been reading my Bible last few years. It's pretty simple. Heaven's right above that blue veil. We're the only world that there is, people. The outer space, aliens and Martians are making all that up. Get your mind off of God. Hell's right down there. He only created one thing in the beginning. He created the heaven and the earth. You're making up everything else. He put a sun and a moon on top of the earth. You're making up everything else. Put the stars out there. You're done. Ain't nothing else. You're making up the rest. And hell's cooking right down there. It's an actual direction. It's right there. Heaven's right up there. It's not an imaginary fantasy of a spiritual dimension that's beyond somewhere and you've got to switch dimensions and go into different warps. Nope. Right above the blue veil. Right up there. Heaven's His throne. The earth is His footstool. He's right there right now looking at us right here. You're making up all that other stuff. He's right there looking at us right here. Wouldn't it be something if the church got to praying like they did in old time? 
all night prayer meetings for God to save sinners before they slip off into hell. One of my preaching uncles preached a message on a place worse than hell. The lake of fire. One day death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire. Billy Graham and a bunch of the rest of them tried to do away with everlasting torment. 24 hour annihilation. I got news for you I do not understand. I cannot comprehend without the help of the Holy Ghost by faith the wrath of God that will pour His wrath out and for eternity they'll suffer torments. Just as well I cannot comprehend that in the ages to come it's never going to end. There will be fresh revelations of God's grace world without end, ages upon ages. It's going to get better and better and gooder and gooder and it ain't going to stop. I can't comprehend how good it's going to be to be with the Lord. I can't comprehend. I can't. I can't wrap my mind around it, Brother David, that people are going to be in torments in a lake of fire and it will never stop. I can't comprehend that. I want a pianist to make their way up here if we have a pianist. Make their way up here. Brother Adams, you might need to Why don't you come and strum the guitar, Brother David? You go up there with him and get ready to lead it. You can play the piano if you want, Brother David. My Jennifer got saved. Y'all got time for me to tell you a little story? I was a single man finishing Bible college and a little church called me to pastor. My pastor told me to go. Well, Brother Garris told me to go. I went to that little church. Through the course of time, the Lord brought Jennifer in there. She wasn't raised around the Lord. God had given me a promise. I never did pray for a wife. I was too busy trying to pass all my finals. And I went to pray for a wife one time. The Lord said, hush. He said, Boaz, if you stay in your field, I'm going to bring Ruth to the corner. Young men, young women, there's a bunch of you here tonight. You stay with God. Don't mess around with worldly kids. Don't mess around with lost kids. Don't mess around with somebody that's wanting to listen to bad music. Somebody wanting to feel on your body. Somebody wanting to misbehave. Y'all hear me? You just stay away from them. Have Christian friends. Hang out with your pastor. Hang out with your church. Pray for Ruth. Pray for Boaz to come in your field. Boaz, pray for Ruth to come in your field. Don't be out there messing around with the world. You'll make decisions that you'll never be able to reverse. Stay off of TikTok and MySpace and Facebook and 
Instagram. It's all a mess. There's a bunch of music on there. There's a bunch of dancing on there. There's a bunch of nakedness on there. There's a bunch of peer pressure on there. And it's all from hell and it'll take you youngins to hell. Give yourself to Jesus. You got a bunch of lost friends and they're going to need you to help them get saved. You can't help them get saved if you're acting like them. (laughs) Youngins. God said, I'm going to bring Ruth to the corner of your field. And he did. One of the greatest godless young women I've ever known. She's sitting right there. I've watched her her whole little life. I came around that corner of Tim and Cindy's church. And left all my socks at the house. And a little girl went to the house and got me some of her daddy's socks. And I've been noticing her ever since. Put socks on the feet of a beautiful gospel feet. And I know where you've been. But I know where you are. Don't you ever look back. You ever look back. Coming at you with a crowbar and a Bible. I don't know which one I'm going to hit you with first. But she ain't waited all these years to throw it away to a carnal life. Don't ever look back. You bury the past. Let God perform miracles with the patchwork. Let God perform miracles with the patchwork. And you and her, you go do great things for God. Don't you give her no less. She stayed pure and dedicated her whole life not to go live carnal. And I got a lot of confidence in you. But I'm still waiting to make sure that you do that. God saved Jennifer, Brother Langston. She come in and sat on the back. Holy Ghost elbowed me inside my rib cage and said, there she is. Her sister married a boy in our church. And she came to church with her sister. She came four Sundays. She worked at Walmart. I went to Walmart every day for four weeks. That's a true story. I'd buy a comb one day and a hairspray the next. I'd buy a toothbrush one day, toothpaste and that. Brother Reese, I, kill, I found me reasons to go to Walmart. Stood in her line. They'd open up three other registers. Sir, this register's open. It's open in your world. It ain't open in my world. This is the line. I will whip every Walmart employee in here. I'm in this line. Don't be bringing your door greeter around. Cane or no cane. This is my line. Fifth Sunday, she came back on a Sunday night. She hit the altar. She hit the altar. She shouted 20 minutes. True story. She'd never been around none of it. 
She, God baptized her in the same fire He did me. She shouted 20 minutes on the altar. I shouted two hours that night. That's the truth. That's not an exaggeration. We shouted two hours. Started praying for her dad. Her mom, her brother, sister. Do you know her sister got saved and her other sister got saved? I watched it happen. They're both struggling right now, to be honest with you. Her brother got saved, ordained to be a Baptist deacon. I watched it all. He's struggling right now. Her old daddy. His daddy was a German Baptist deacon up in Virginia and Pennsylvania. Them German brethren. Them old German Baptists. Plymouth brethren. And her daddy run from God. Boy, she got under a burden. Thank God we had a praying church. Wasn't trying to get out because people, people had school. She got under a Holy Ghost burden for God to save him. One day I came in the house and she's different. She said, I've quit praying for God to save him. I've asked God to break him. There was a death. There was a desertion. There was a six police cars. There were guns. There was a man at the end of his rope. God broke him. And I was standing in the kitchen in Rangold when the call came in. And it took her daddy, I'm not exaggerating, it took him 30 minutes. He was crying so hard. He only said two things. I'm sorry. And I'm saved. It took him a half hour to say it. I'm sorry. And I'm saved. He never did struggle. He joined three churches. He went to church with his brother to an independent Baptist church. Went to church with his new wife to a church of God. And went to church uh, with his mom to, a, what was it? It was a Plymouth Brethren. He went to three churches. He bought three suits went to three churches. I was like, it's a little odd, but we'll just roll with it. We're just glad he's in church. He's in three churches. He'll lose the salvation in one, but he'll get it right back in the next. It'll be fine. He'll speak in tongues in one and in the next. He'll be back to the King James Bible. He'll work all that out. We're just glad that he ain't in hell. Who is it you got a burden for? God, use this meeting to restore your burden. I want you to stand. I want you to come pray. It's all right to go out there and pray. That's a good praying place. Won't you get Lee and y'all get over here and pray. Pray for all them young people right back there. Sister Lori, won't you and Pastor come and pray with them? Special year for them. Y'all want to come pray? You can go pray with your boy. Y'all want to come pray for some sinners?
You young people want to come pray that God will start a revival of epic proportions in the middle of y'all. Ashton, son, he'll use you if you let him, boy. He's going to use you, son. You young and want to have some prayer meetings. Let's find a place and pray. Let's play out loud and sing a little. If you know it, help them sing. Come on. Let's pray. Let's pray. I need the oh, I need the young people. I pray over some of this. I pray over it. Oh, bless me now. Oh, God. Lose their power when thou 
Let them sing, church. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can please softly brother David hallelujah let's just sit in the presence of the Lord for a little bit we'll sit here and wait on the pastor (laughs) you ought to love on him a little bit why He's here and you're here. Tell him something. Reach out to him. Thank him. I say hallelujah tonight. The uh, man of God preached tonight. Not only about his burden, but about the burden that we should have. I want to say it like this about the burden, burden that we should have. And the burden that we can have. A lot of folks think, well, I don't, I don't have that burden. I can't care for them like that. That's that. No. You're one of God's people. And we ought to have that burden in our heart. I thank God for meeting with us tonight. I want to say it's a good opening night, but that seems a little too contemporary. It's been good to be in the house of God. Amen. I <laughs> praise His holy name. If I could say it like this. got men of God here from Tennessee. 
North Georgia, from somewhere in Weedowie, Alabama, Nigeria. I didn't even know you could get to Americas from Nigeria, but he's made his way a few times. We've got folks from across the county. We've got folks from across the county lines. Brother Eric, Brother Bobby. But I'm glad that the one that really mattered was here tonight. We got several men here I don't even know. Just met, met via the man of God. A little silly app. But God's began to knit us together. We've got some of you that we've known for so many years. Brother Phil, God brings us together every once in a while. Let's us just worship God together. It's good to worship God alone, but when you can link arms with somebody and and worship with somebody, that makes it so much sweeter. And that's what we've done tonight. And I give God the glory. I praise His holy name tonight. Oh my goodness.